for club and you ain't in it full of psychopaths who believe in eugenics it's an evil club and you ain't in it full of psychopaths who believe in eugenics it's an evil club and you ain't in it all right welcome everybody this is the reality czars podcast and i'm your only host today nathan uh our partner tony he is still moving he is on his way to rhode island right now uh and today i have two awesome guests I have Monica Perez and Brad Binkley from the Propaganda Report, and I'm really excited. I've been a big fan for a long time. Uh, do you guys want to do any pluggables up front? Well, in case people don't know who we are, we do have a our overarching show is the Propaganda Report, but we have a daily news show, which we deliver from a perspective of a truth, liberty, and justice called the Drive Time News Blast. And just to try it out, don't worry about the Rockfin and Patreon stuff. Just check us out on your favorite podcasting platform. I concur. Okay. And I heard about the, what's the new, uh, not, not X-rated. Do you guys want to talk about the new XR? <laughs> the DNB XR. It's really, really dirty stuff. and really, um, it gets really raunchy. No, it is the, it is the, uh, premium stuff. So we have a little rule that in the free 30, which you get on your, on your podcasting platform, you can get it all on your podcasting platform, but you get it free. We keep it clean so people can share it. But if you subscribe to Patreon or Rockfin, we do a DNB extended release. So it's 45 minutes. It's commercial free. And then in that, Ex- in that, Extended release. Yeah. I like it. (laughs) All right. Well, I'm excited to talk to you guys. I don't really have like a solid agenda. I just took some notes and questions to ask. And if you guys want to talk about anything, just jump in. Um, Let's talk about the decline of the empire. (laughs) Star Wars. Is that what? Yeah. Well, we are Darth Vader, man. We are the fucking Death Star. Yeah. that's pretty wild. Well, out of the ashes, that's what I'm worried about. I mean, Joe Biden kind of looks like Emperor Palpatine a little bit if you threw it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it is. I think that a lot of things we're seeing signal is a sign of the decline of the empire. And I think it's intentional. When that whole Afghanistan story broke initially, my first thought was, how are they going to whip this into a domestic terrorism problem? Yeah. And I, I think that I think that's beginning to happen because they're starting to merge Trump supporters and January 6 people with the Taliban. They're trying, starting to kind of weave them together in the storyline, compare them together, make them friends of my friends, you know, yeah. and, and make make Joe Biden the enemy. And I, I think this altogether is an attempt to kind of pull the United States away from the United States and make it a, a part of the world. So so weaken its position in the world, have the terrorists in the U.S. be also the international terrorist, along with the, the global terrorists, have the U.N. forces team up with Biden or the U.N. team up with Biden. And all of a sudden, people who are like America first or who are United States type people or who call themselves patriots, they are international terrorists. And the U.S. is playing a smaller role on the grand stage, if any of that made any sense. I think it makes perfect sense, dude. Uh, we're all y'all kaida now. Yeah, right. Y'all kaida. Nice. That's great. Nice. Yeah. That's excellent. So I do. I think that. They are tearing down kind of the trappings of the old regime, but 
the power structure remains the same. And I always go back. I feel it's like we are living through the fruition of the report from Iron Mountain, which was in the 60s. And it basically said, because now we have the technology that we can't keep people loyal to the hierarchy just by war anymore. Like once we unleashed nukes, they don't take seriously this idea that we're fighting on the on the borders, hand to hand combat anymore. We need a replacement for that. And it seemed to me that that just just like with when Bismarck said to the Kaiser, like we have to we have to take away some of the freedom and the surplus that people have gotten from the industrial revolution, or they will abandon the hierarchy. I feel like they're in this constant struggle to like bring in the technology that they need to control us, but keep us from benefiting from that to the point where we don't need them or we realize we don't need them. So I think that this transition is, is that in implementation so that you've got this super high level, uh, technology control structure in place that they are implementing. And then at the same time, they're trying to slow us down. They're trying to make everything virtual. I actually am starting to think, I mean, this isn't like a totally new idea, but it's really solidifying in my mind that the climate change thing by saying like, have no carbon footprint, they're really saying have no footprint, like don't walk around, like get completely virtual so that they're they're having some liberty in the virtual world, but they're shutting us down to the point where there's supply chain issues. They're not going to let unvaccinated people get on planes. And that's really I, the whole thing is just they're telling people that um, don't go on a plane. It's, it's violent up there. There's maybe a plane will come down because of that at some point. They're slowing us down physically. They're slowing information down at the same time. They're overlaying the hyper technology logical control state. And so I think it's the same people, it's the same hierarchy, but they have to change the, they're leveling up for their own purposes. But with that comes that risk that we will also benefit from that. You know, you made me think of something there. I was reading this book, it's called Propaganda in World History. It's this big three volume set. I only have two of them because the other one is like $500, but it's a Harold Laswell project. The Linguistus and a guy who wrote on propagandists wrote many propaganda books back in the early 1900s. And he is talking about what to look forward to when it comes to communication and world propaganda in the future. And, and his portion of it was written, this portion anyway, I think back in the 50s. And it's really kind of crazy how what they could foresee back then. While they didn't say Facebook and Twitter and people are going to be losing their minds over those specific things, they did say we already can foresee a future where people can deliver messages instantaneously around the world brain to brain almost just like that and it's i mean it's it's crazy how accurate some of their predictions are but he's talking about this transition to a world set of values and to integrating everybody into a world world government basically and that the one of the main things to overcome the psychological aspect to overcome the resistance is going to lead to the violence and the clashing between countries and people who are resistant to giving up their their independence their sovereignty is the self-referential instinct in man and how that is the most challenging thing to overcome is to condition people to not have that self-referential instinct the example he gives is he says if you're in another country and you see somebody driving a car 
that where the steering wheel's on the other side, you go, oh my gosh, the steering, this is how we do it the other way over there. So that instinct to go, they're doing it wrong. We do it the other way is the self-referential instinct he's talking about. And that instinct of human nature must be overcome to integrate the entire planet into this world system of government. Monica, you're on mute. Oh, super sorry. Was I was I muted when that horrible noise was happening outside my window, or did you get that loud and clear? Uh, I don't know. I didn't <laughs> okay. notice it. Okay, yeah. good. Sorry about that. I keep muting because there's a landscape out there. So I just have to point out that that exact thing would be the destruction of culture of your of the see so what you learn from your parents what you learn what you inherit what you just learn from your own life experience you can also get that historical learning that group learning the cultural learning from your community and it gives you a lot of value you get like kind of common wisdom you also get knowledge of how to make things and all of that but in order to kind of it's like the way you look into a tree and you can see a tiger but you can't see a dead branch it's like you need to see the tiger and it really is a shortcut to discernment to understanding truth and falsehood and and it has to be self-referential not not just for yourself, but also for your group, because there's just a lot of um, a collective value of like, it's like leveraging. It's like external economies of scale. And that self-reference is relevant if you are in that same culture. So I think maybe one of the things they absolutely do is they try to insert technology to separate children from parents. And, and, and also yeah. I think immigration is about separating you from your cultural context or even just bombing um, historical sites and stuff or, or destroying the Iraq library. That was so weird. So I feel like they destroy the culture. They destroy your access to it. They destroy your respect for it. Not because it's racist and they care about that, but because it's a shortcut for you to have wisdom and strength and, you know, bring bring the the legacy of your own human family, heritage, community to your everyday life. They want to destroy all of that. And because that's that's where your power lies. A hundred percent. I mean, that's like you see them attacking and trying to destroy the family and attacking the church and trying to destroy that. And the best way they can do that is like hijacking the culture. And what way, what better way can you think of like trying to uh, like separate you from like ancient, like family wisdom to like your grandma's racist. If she says this, like shut her down at the Thanksgiving table. She said, you know, something and dismiss what she has to say she's an idiot and <laughs> right so that's really important it's it's fashion so fashion makes people who don't know it an idiot so look at that idiot wearing the wrong color shoes. Like, look at that moron. Don't talk to that person. And similarly, if they can change the words, the meaning of words, the, the, the connotation, the way the words come across and, and then put so much importance on that, that it negates everything that person has to say. They can change the fashion and neutralize grandma's wisdom. Grandma who loves you. Grandma loves yeah. you. The screens do not love you. Well, it was something like you said earlier, Brad, uh, I think on your show earlier when you said that, like Monica said, do uh, do your own do your own research. And that term is like if they hear it, like there'll be little keywords, they'll they'll use words that like your grandma might say, like think like impart sort of wisdom. Yeah. They're going to be like, if she says this, then, you know, to sh- you know, 
don't listen to anything she has to say. Yeah, Grandma does her own research. Yeah. Call the Gestapo. <laughs> Dude, I saw something, and I think this was in Australia. It was this video. It's uh, They have this website, and you – you can get money for reporting your neighbors and for uh, and for your family members and things uh, if they're unvaccinated because they want like a database of people that are unvaccinated and they like weekly we have a drawing you can make twenty five hundred dollars and they're bribing people to rat out people. their family and friends wow you no know, so many people are doing that <laughs> I dude Australia is shocking to me. Yeah, it's really sad. I thought they might have had some backbone. I thought not, not a one. There's man. a little like there was a protest. I guess the construction workers t- came out, but I think even what I saw and it was I don't know if they probably underplayed it quite a bit, but still, it just said who knows what the truth is. But like two thousand people showed up, but these are guys who literally lost their own jobs personally, and yeah. sixty of them were arrested. It's it, it, I guess I feel like they've studied so much about their behavior from the first time they took all their guns away in Australia, and then like in New Zealand when they had that Trump supporting mosque guy. To, uh, you know, that was like the next level of yeah. testing the waters. And here they are now. I, we're in a fascinating we asked him, we so, have an Australia ahead, person, somebody from Australia, Estella. She she's got she's got backbone. She wrote a protest song, a great protest song. And she goes to events from time to time. So they, they do have a little bit going there. They're just really it seems like they're scaring the hell out of them to me. Yeah, it's wild. I mean, I thought America had a backbone too. Um, I really thought we did, and and it's uh, I don't think we do, man. And I, it's interesting the moment in time that we're in right now. I feel like we are in the eye of the storm. We're like in the last little bit of calm because what is it like next month? All of those things are supposed to go through about like the COVID, uh, the mandate stuff for jobs and different things for like a lot of nurses, a lot of teachers. Like it's some. Like by the end of October, if they don't if they don't do it, they're going to get canned, at least out here. A lot of police officers, too. Like, um, I'm curious to see how many people are actually going to fight back. See, I want to go back for a second. Sorry. Is that all right? Yeah. Um, I just want to go back for a second. So like you thought that we had backbone and I'm not even sure I did think that we had backbone. But I do. I do think that the way they did it means they thought we might have had backbone. And I think they did two things. I think one is they genuinely convinced a lot of people to be afraid for their lives. And if you look at the 2017 SPARS document on the Johns Hopkins website, they talk about one of the things they do is they have the Democrat president. This is a scenario. They have the Democrat president support or question. I can't remember which it was a certain therapeutic for this pandemic. And that made the other side of the aisle hate or love that pan- that therapeutic, whatever it was. You could really see the hydroxychloroquine thing with Trump come out. So they really polarized the vaccine stuff. They really studied and thought about how partisan people would be. So they did that. And I think they chose Democrats to be the pro-vax people on purpose because those are the people who are the pro-gun control people. It's consistent with their idea that what you, you can't have liberty because you put everybody else in danger. That even trumps their my body, my choice thing. I think they really chose that on purpose. But then on the 
other hand, to keep the right from rising up, because I kept wanting to have last Fourth of July a year ago, a march on Washington. I couldn't really identify like what my sign would say. But in the in the end, I would have just said, like, end the emergency, the declaration of emergency, the, you know, whatever that Trump did. But people wouldn't go to Washington because Trump was there. Even the people I asked who had organized Obamacare rallies, every one of which I went to, they wouldn't go. And they said, stick to the local stuff. That's what we're doing. I mean, that's what people were saying to me. That's what we're doing. Like They were definitely deciding behind the scenes how to approach it. No doubt because, uh, I, I mean, I would say that that it felt right to people because of Trump, whereas if Hillary had been in there, it would have been wrong. But I think the foundation of it all was that they literally have people afraid for their lives. And I, I think back to the Katrina video, I think it was an Alex Jones thing where, do you remember this one? The guys were, I don't know if they were on a boat or what, but they said, Katrina came, the cops came around, they collected all our guns, and we were like cold, dead hands guys. And we just looked at each other and said, I think we just got our guns took. You know, like, yeah. what the hell? So it's it's not a um, back down or stand up kind of thing. It was like a lo- very, very long term. And you could even go back 100 years to Dewey and say it was about education. It was about disting- really eradicating rhetoric, eradicating the um, influence peddling element of what politicians who used to be taught in schools, the art of rhetoric. They don't want you to recognize it. They don't want you to use it. So they don't teach it to you anymore. And this all lays the groundwork for what I consider to be maybe every 50 years or 20 years with every war, they level up that control mechanism. And I I, I just think so much more goes into it. I, I really don't even... I fault people for supporting Trump without scrutinizing that he never really stood tall on the Bill of Rights. He just got in the faces of people who attacked it, but he didn't really, he wasn't affirmative in any way like that. And, and I told people and they didn't want to hear it. So I blame them for that. But for the fear thing, people don't know how to do their own science. You know, they don't know how to do their own research. And I mean, I'm not saying that excuses them, but it's, I think, it, I think there was a, a lot went into this. I want to say something about the having a backbone. What they have done also with a large portion of the population is they have convinced them. Of course, these people don't see it that way, but they have convinced them that conforming is having a backbone, that to have a backbone is to stand up against evil anti-vaxxers, is to stand up against people who question the election, is to call the FBI tip line if you see that a friend of yours has a picture on Facebook of him at the Capitol on January 6th. They have convinced him that that is what it means to have a backbone. That's bravery. (laughs) <laughs> right. Yes. Bravery to ju- to jump on the bandwagon and rat people out is what they've convinced a backbone is. Do you rem- They're so good at co-opting this stuff. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry yeah. Do you remember the Tom <laughs> Hanks speech at Wright University, the commencement speech? I think it was I don't know if it was a year ago or six months ago because my, you know, time. I'm sure they have a psychological uh, <laughs> yeah. study on how we can't tell time when this when it's monotonous like this. But he did this commencement speech and he said, like the greatest generation, you sat on your couch and played video games when you were called upon to do so. You know, he didn't actually <laughs> right. say that. Yes, very exactly. Close to yeah. that. And it was like, yeah. that's a great me? point. <laughs> yeah, they did make those comparisons to, to going to war and, and fighting just like their, their grandparents did. It's crazy. Is there anyone creepier than Tom Hanks? No. No. Good Lord. 
His, I love his son, though. His son's great. Chet. It's got to be I his did for the longest time, and then I watched some videos with him. I was like, he's a little bit endearing, actually. I kind of like him. Is he a setup The video what? of him doing the, uh, all right, guys, I just want to tell you guys to go out and get the vaccine. He goes, psych, fuck that shit. He just got going. It's yeah. hilarious. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty fantastic. I'll set, Monica, I'll send you a video on YouTube to watch later of him. It's pretty fantastic. So you think he's, he's definitely nuts. You think he's, he's for real? <laughs> you think he's not on a leash that he doesn't even know about? I, he's I the, that, yeah. I, I don't think that you could leash him. I think he's just a, a wild kid. I will say, if you go back to like the super cult elements that go on and the, above the scenes, and my guess is Tom Hanks like drinks the baby's blood, uh, they are not above sacrificing their own children. Think about who shot Ronald Reagan. Think about they, they will... Um, yeah. They they will sacrifice there, especially if the ch- child's a little bit tweaked. I think that they can. Hashtag Chet didn't kill himself. Kind of. Like, <laughs> yeah. So I I, yeah, th- I think Chet is I think Chet is the product of Tom Hanks, and yeah. I think well, I think is he the youngest? I believe he's the youngest of the children. Uh, I, I think almost gotta, felt bad for him too when I was listening to him talk because he was talking about when his mom found out that he had smoked pot. They yeah. freaked out on him and sent him to one of those like rehabilitation, like kid camps that are just god awful. Like I've known people that have gone to those and like they like yeah. kidnap you in the middle of the night. Like, <laughs> So he's the first child of Hanks and Rita Wilson and Tom Hanks has mm. children with somebody else. So he's his older brother. So Tom Hanks was older by the time he was there. He's always gone. Probably it wasn't he didn't have that, yeah. you know, the first baby. So he'd been there. Done. He probably did not get any attention. They probably tried to force him into these schoolings and try to force him to be like them. And he probably rebelled against that. And he probably doesn't 100%. like his dad very much. Is he a stoner now? Oh, for sure. Yeah. No, he looked like he's I'll, – I'll show you that video. He's just – he seems like he just like, like does coke and hookers all day. And he just, really like, does. Oh, he's really? a rapper. He seems nuts. Does he's he white and well or does he yeah. – are you worried about him? No, he's partying. He's mentally ill for Aww. sure, but he's having fun. Right. He started the I white mean, boy summer thing. I know. I know. Yeah, he was white I know boy that. summer. Yeah, and I and that <laughs> he just looks like he's a lot of fun. Me. Like I just <laughs> – I want to go hang out with him. Yeah, all right. I would hang out with him definitely. Yeah. I definitely get some drinks. <laughs> well, now you're speaking my language. <laughs> uh, let me see here. Uh, oh, let me see. So I was going to ask you guys, how much do you think of this, like this technocracy, this tyranny? Do you, How much do you think of it as actually inevitable? Like, do you think that we don't really stand a chance that it, this is going to happen no matter what? Or do you think if a concerted effort by the American populace stood up and said, fuck this shit, we'd stand a chance? Do you think it's happening no matter what? Or do you think we got a the white pill or the black pill? What are you giving me, Monica? All right, I'll go first. I was waiting for Binkley because I know what he's going to say. And I know what I'm going to say. And I hate to say it because I'm really not a black pilled person at all. But I'm a... Uh, I, I somebody called me a pink pill because I'm a white pill and a red <laughs> pill. And how is that? But it, that the reason I am a white pill is that I'm an individualist. So I think I don't know what we're doing here and I don't care. Like, I, I think that it's it, even though I am a practicing Catholic, it, this is something I picked up from uh, some of the yoga books I read, like the yoga sutras, the 
Patanjali and stuff, Swami Sachidananda, I liked him, um, is this idea that the question of the existence of God is uh, unanswerable and irrelevant because the contentment on earth is the same that will get you to the path of salvation, which is free yourself from desire. So, so if you look at this as a, as a trial and you have to decide, like, what are you going to do? Are you going to stand firm? How firm are you going to stand? Are you going to be the right example? Like when they come to you and say, hey, like you need to do this thing and we'll give you these riches. Are you going to do that thing? If that thing is uh, whatever, like keep give people injections to keep your yeah. job. So Jesus in the desert. Yes. Yeah. So you so that. So for me, it's not a black pill to say that I do believe that we are going through a transition identical, like not identical, but in the same model as, I mean, I'm just pulling from my most recent memory is World War I and World War II both had the same features, which was they were intended to be cultural change agents. They um, were ginned up. They, instead of being avoided, they were promoted. And instead of being ended, they were prolonged. I don't know enough about Vietnam and Civil War for those two th- to apply those on it. But, but they definitely ushered in a complete change, a profound cultural change. And I think that's what we're going through. And I, I feel like on the one hand, I want everybody to fight. I think that you as an individual, you, if, if there if there's even a chance in a million that there's a St. Peter waiting at the pearly gates or whatever, that's a metaphor for you are going to have to answer for yourself and there's going to be no bullshit. So, and even if there isn't, on your deathbed, you're going to look your kids in the eye or look yourself you know, just say, you know what? I did the best I could with this life and I mean the best I could. So uh, I think that that is where that comes out. But I do believe that we're we are going through a transition and that the the world is going to be fundamentally different. And I, and I think we might be doing ourselves a disservice. I don't want to just accept it. I have this joke, like the Jeopardy category, things a rapist might say. And, you know, <laughs> just let this happen is definitely something a rapist might say. I'm not saying just let it happen. I mean, you have to teach your children well. You have to keep alive um, the morality. And, like, even though Pope Francis is, uh, you know, bad news, you, you can't just totally give up on the church or anything. You, like, have to teach your children well. You have to keep that alive. But I think it's important to recognize what's happening, that the regime, the the mechanism is 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 changing and in a way it's simply becoming more transparent you know how hard it was to get the scales to come off people's eyes 10 years ago it's a lot easier now so is it is it just all of a sudden we entered into this world of tyranny or is it just that they've gotten a little more audacious because they got to the tipping point? I think they got to the tipping point. I think Obamacare, I always said the big problem with Obamacare is that it was going to put kind of government related industry into the greater than 50 percent category. And the government could then keep you from getting your job. You could never cut government budgets because more than 50 percent of the people would be one way or another relying on it. Stimmy checks, healthcare work, whatever. So I think that we have to we have to just face with courage what's happening and what's always kind of happened. Uh, And, and we should still fight and stand tall and be an example to our children. But I think we have to recognize that certainly the structure 
of the control mechanism is changing. And I do think that our liberties, I think you might have to choose between the civilization quote and the constraints that come along with that and kind of being in the outlands or the tunnels and the freedom that comes along with that. Maybe reading against the grain would be helpful. I don't agree with everything in it, but uh, the author is a Yale professor. He's kind of um, an anarchist of sorts, but he says mm-hmm. like the civilization was a monument building state where they had reading and writing just to have taxation. That grain um, yeah. was cultivated just to have a a way that you could show up at harvest day and take stuff that you could dry and store that we would have tubers instead of wheat if it weren't for taxes and that they had to draw from the outlands because civilization kills people to more than they can reproduce. And I feel like, you know, if we just look at it like that, like civilization is the problem. I don't mean that like we should civilization, the way people will misunderstand anarchy. I don't mean civilization as in being civilized is the problem, being good to each other, being um, having rules is the problem or behavior standards is the problem. I just mean civilization as in the city structure as a political entity designed to enslave and tax. I think we just need to see it as really, we might just have to have a choice. There is no gray area anymore. I really wish honestly that they would give us that choice. Like if they would let us go and live in the tunnels and, or live, like if it was a choice, we had to like give up all of modern. I think we have to choose that even medicine but i don't think they'll leave us alone even once we're like that and that's the problem like if they just let us go and like we could go off and like we could be like uncle teddy and go off in the woods and just do our own things we're gonna have to it's gonna be a steep learning curve we're gonna have to learn how to trap and hunt and fish and grow and do all these things uh but i i still think we'd have a better life a lot of people are doing that a lot of people so yeah the culture is definitely changing it's already changed from when I was a kid from 10 years ago, the reality we live in is very different. And a lot of that has been transformed quickly. Of course, COVID has helped, but because the system of communications that we have developed has, as I talked earlier, I mean, that's what they talk about this, but it's like a 700 page book, but I, I, I go back to it quite a bit, but they talk about just the power that the systems of communications and the new technologies has to transform the world at an expedited pace that it otherwise would not change at. It, it would move far slower, if not for these technological changes in communication that enables control mechanisms like Monica, like you're saying, structural control to be exercised instantaneously from anywhere in the world, from any powers that be that have the most influence over these social media platforms. This is one of the reasons they want to get everybody connected to these grids is if everybody's connected to these grids, then you have access to the brains of everyone in an instant. You can communicate information. You can compel action. This is why they want to give free internet to the rural areas is because they want to link them all in to that matrix. And like you said, Monica, about the writing, Vladimir Lenin, they taught the farmers and stuff in the rural areas to read because they wanted to be able to control them through propaganda of the print. So it's the same thing. It's just that it's moving a lot faster and they can reach a lot more people at one time now. But my, my question would be, when you say, is it inevitable, what specifically do you mean? What image of the future are you asking is inevitable? 
Well, okay. Uh, what I definitely see, what I see they're trying to roll out right now in Canada and what they've already done in Sweden and things like that are they're really trying to, well, especially in Canada. I just read an article about it right now. There's some company i could pull it up on my phone but um i'll send you the article after maybe i'll even put it in the show notes but uh it basically is talking about this company is trying to um and it's what we've all known trying to switch money to the digi dollar right they're trying their hardest right now and canada seems like they're going to be the ones to roll it out like right now um and it just so i guess what i'm asking is like do you think the switch to the digital dollar, the us being able to participate in society, even hold the job at all, are all of these things going to be tied to uh, some form of digital passport? Do you think that there's any chance that we can hold that off or are we just going to have to go live in the caves? I think that – I don't think that it will be – implemented in a way where it's uniformly one world everybody has i think there's still gonna i think there's gonna be parallel societies parallel systems rise up i think we and we could call that the tunnel the tunnels like we're saying um but i think that we see in all of these industries where they do try and force things in we do see people who have influence in those industries stand up against it one, one example and this is the isn't even an example of really standing up against it this is just her simply asking questions and by asking questions she's become a, a bad guy for the progressives which in turn fuels her and her followers to push back against the systems they're trying to control and that is Nicki minaj she's a billionaire saint Nicki minaj yeah she's a billionaire <laughs> Nicki minaj is she is she's she recently a became a billionaire uh Good yeah, yeah. I mean, she has a cult following. There were people in Atlanta here who were outside of the CDC protesting Fauci, protesting the mandates, and they, they wouldn't have been there if it wasn't for Nicki Minaj's tweets the other day simply asking questions. And, and she has a force of like 30 million follower, followers on social media, and all she did to raise hell was asking a couple of freaking questions that were very reasonable, and then you see all these other people who've been radicalized into the state of just complete delusion on social media pushing back against her and saying stupid things. You see Joy Reid going on MSNBC and, and yeah. saying, for, as a black woman saying this, how could a black woman, you know, trying to pull that stuff out. All that. Did you see how much she ghettoed her voice too? I did. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. It's very, yeah she's, <laughs> it was ridiculous. But to do that to somebody like Nicki Minaj is going to make Nicki Minaj, who before that was just asking a question and was probably more of a liberal progressive it's going to turn her into somebody that says screw this i see what y'all are really like and that is in turn going to infect uh, affect the millions of people who are influenced by her there's a lot of people in different industries who are in a similar position not as wealthy or have as many followers as her but who are important enough to their industry that if they were to get booted from it or blacklisted or blackballed from it they could instantly start a whole nother one of their own and it would rise up and they could make different rules and they could operate in a different way i have um a couple of comments 
I did. I just quickly looked it up because a billion's a lot. This says she's a hundred million, which is also a lot. But oh, she's not a billionaire yet. I could swear it says a hundred million, hundred million. But whatever, like that's that's plenty. That's yeah. plenty. Oh, she's broke. Yes, I know. So, <laughs> uh, so, but, but I want to talk a little bit about like the inevitability question. I hear what you're saying, Binkley, absolutely, that there there can be pockets of resistance and they can surge. But when I think of what I think to be like basically the equivalents in the past, maybe all the communist revolutions, the Russian Revolution, Vietnam, maybe Cambodia, whatever. If you think back, there were a lot of resistance fighters back then. Yes, there was resistance like in um in France against the Germans, but half the world was on the side of those underdogs and kind of were manipulating from behind the scenes. I mean, bankers were the same bankers were on both sides of those wars and all wars, bankers wars, but these revolutions also, which I'm sure were put up jobs at a certain level, but you had people really fighting millions of people fighting the Khmer Rouge and the uh, Bolsheviks. And in Vietnam, you had millions of people probably all together fighting. If you look at this idea of democide, which is, people that your country that your own country has killed people without not even just sending them into the fires of war but just killing them for control of the population is in the hundreds of millions and and even though all those people were fighting they did not really take it back however what did happen in all of those cases Maybe because, quote, capitalism, which it's really just fascism, was is, is what we've become now. I, I can say that with confidence that this system is so bass backwards with the corporations instituting their own laws, laws that couldn't come down from the government itself. They're these big mega corporations to so the World Economic Forum are just making it's basically making law by having these policies um, destroy all the smaller businesses and then agreeing yeah. to their standards at the corporate level. So I consider this to be totally fascism. But those communist countries that did not 70 years ago, 100 years ago now, didn't the 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 rebels, the fighters, the freedom fighters, let's call them, didn't make it then. But over time, they there was an opportunity for those for that remnant to reemerge. Now, if you look at what happened in Poland, the solidarity thing that they say was like the Pope and everything that went on there was a little bit of an inside job by a different by a different faction or reemergence of a different thing. And but if you look at the the communist revolution in Russia in the first place, that supposedly was a put up job by the capitalists. They wrote Das Kapital, I believe, was written in London. So as as the ebb and flow of maybe the technocrats and the powers that be come and go and 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 try on maybe they take 70 years of a dark time you know maybe maybe that communist period was a dark ages and and maybe there's a purpose to it they may be playing a very long game but my vision of what it would be is there is this dark time is it three years is it 30 years i really don't know when you emerge at the other side will it be the same i don't know but Will there always, they will always have to, I feel like they'll always have to make room for the, the human spirit, for the true human nature, which I think is good. I think it's mostly good yeah. or a goodness, not goodness doesn't really work. Not goodness doesn't really promote anything. And I think that you, you just, 
unless they really just want to destroy the human race and have robots and live, you know, have a hundred yeah. guys live forever and everybody's a robot <laughs> slave. I don't think they can actually do that. So I do think there will be a resurgence, but it will be a transformation. And the only thing we can hope to salvage is our spirits and, and we need to just keep them healthy. Yeah. Yeah. Good or not. What I what I definitely see is that no matter what, whenever there's tyranny, there's at least um, a uh, we we as humans, we're fucking stubborn. and We don't like being told what to do. And so maybe that is the good that is like there is inherently that is human nature. We're like, fuck you. And I think that it's the most beautiful thing because I've always been a contrarian uh, and naturally so. No matter what the fuck it was, I wouldn't watch whatever the newest bullshit was on TV. I wasn't like I'm not into sports. You know, I I wouldn't vote for the longest time. I will never answer a census. I've never answered when they try to. uh, This was before I became a libertarian, too. I'd never answered their stupid when they, jury duty. I've never answered one of those. And I've just always been, I guess. Well, we are chat. But well, it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've always I just asked why, you know, you ask why all the time as a kid, I go, like, oh, why? Why? Because you don't know shit. And you yeah. want to know why you want to understand it. And I think a lot of people just learned not to do that. They learned that that wasn't the right thing to do. Like you go to the public education system and you're not going there to learn to ask questions and learn to ask why. The main thing that they emphasize is do as you're told is, is get in line, literally get in line, literally finish your assignments. Don't disobey your teacher. And it's not, you're not supposed to ask your teacher that. Why are you doing it? Cause I said, so I, I never, that never really took for me. And I've always just continued asking why. And that simple question can really, really piss a lot of people off. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I used to ask that a lot in Sunday school, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I used to get in a lot of trouble. I've re- like the last five years have really come back to Christ. I am a Christian now, but I remember specifically asking questions that would piss off my Sunday school teacher. And one time I remember this sort of, but I remember the ass whooping <laughs> I got after. I <laughs> They gave me a picture of Jesus to draw. And like to fill in in color, and I gave him a red cloak and a tail. <gasps> oh wow! Oh, man, <laughs> I put Dang. some horns on him too. That's no good. good. No, no, no. My- <laughs> no, no, no. You can't do that. I think I always knew how to get attention and how to I was screw with people. So <laughs> indoctrinated in the church, and I and I am practicing Catholic. I absolutely cannot stand the Pope. Most of it, I just throw. But I was always taught never really to worry about the leadership or anything. That you just wanted that kind of straight line to like trace back to jesus when i i i like religion i totally struggle with faith but i i live it with you know raising my kids that way and everything but i was so indoctrinated with just not doing certain things you can't take the lord's name in vain like you can't like doing something like that like dude literally my my sister died with a needle in her arm and she would never have done that (laughs) she never would have done what you did (laughs) i figured that jesus gave me this sense of humor i think he laughed when i did it too so yes yes i'm sure it wasn't it wasn't meant to be as i mean there is also some people who believe that what's the theory the theory is that now I'm not propagating this theory. I, I've just—it's just a theory that people talk about. Where this—I think is probably a not not Satan worship. Maybe I knew some people when I first started doing stand-up comedy who called themselves Luciferians. Some 
I don't think it was Luciferians. I think they literally called themselves Satanists. Yeah, and it was right. like, what? And the one in particular I'm thinking about was a really, really nice person who was just rebelling against society and what society yeah. what she was told that she was supposed to be. But when it came down to it, she was actually a really, really sweet person. And I think there's a, a philosophy of belief among people who uh, adapt that, that Lucifer was the one who was wronged. And, and that he was... Re- oh, yeah. yeah. So there's two different saying. flavors of Satanism. <laughs> there's like the, the theological Satanists that like legit think that they, well, they believe in Satan and they think that, you know, sometimes they think that Jesus and Satan were brothers and they choose a side and there's all kinds of crazy like theological things that they choose to believe. But then there's also just the like the smart asses that just want to give the middle finger to, you know, like Republican old white women that have like a stick up their ass. And like, I always, I always kind of had a soft spot in my heart for those particular ones that just kind of wanted to like put on horns, go, "Eh," you know, and just, I kind of dug that. I thought it was funny. Well, I've read, there was a good point. Now I don't, I don't like it. I'm not saying it's a good point, but that, that Lucifer this I is it Lavoy, whoever Anton Lavoy, who said, or was it Huxley? I don't know, Lavey, who said, "Do as thou wilt is the whole of the law." Right, I think that might have uh-huh. been Lavey, and this was it Crowley, Crowley right? Said okay, that. so one of those guys. Crowley, but said they, Lavey, who Lavey was the yeah, Church no. of Satan. He yes, was the head of okay, the church. Okay, yeah, okay. The church of Satan. So yeah. what? The, but the concept is that why would God give you a these desires, these appetites, and then tell you not to engage in them. And I, I, you know, I understand why that seems like it would be a burden too heavy to handle, but there's also, and, and this is my, maybe more the deeper question is why is it true that, that, and this is like psychologically proven, if I understand correctly, why is it true that, good feel like pleasure is measured is felt much more highly when when it replaces pain or discomfort why is the relief from discomfort so much better than just simply a constant stream of pleasure it's exhausting so so they can say that god was that they can say that it's it's not fair or whatever that god did that to us but it's consistent with our nature so to reject that nature and just do what thou wilt i mean uh, there's a guy jack parsons is is his whole scene was not far from here carly used to go there whatever it was jpl the jet propulsion laboratory caltech um there's even Parsons is a big building in downtown Pasadena. He was a like this, a saint worshiper or whatever, Luciferian. I, I forget what brand he was, but he blew himself up in some freaky alchemical experiments or whatever. Like, it's not good for you. <laughs> you know, their hearts are broken. They don't know whose kids are whose. Like, if you go, if you dig into the, go under the surface of some of these people, it's just not consistent with being happy. Whereas the thing I said earlier about free yourself from desire, and it's the same answer all the way around. I'm not saying I live that. I mean, I, I like all I really want to do, like I work so that I can justify having my cocktails. Like I am absolutely as base an yeah. animal as a human being can be and still be a human human being but you know and still try you know i'm trying as but it's just not consistent i really just want that pleasure but i only am happy about it if i do a good day's work 
Well, you know what? God turned water into wine, and I think that he wants us to relax and have He would love my cocktail. And, oh, see, yeah. now that's even yeah, taken lightly. I can't even say that. Dang it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I will say, like, that whole rejection of, like, the the – what do they call that? The nuclear family, that whole destruction of culture and things. That's actually what brought me back to church. Me too. Um, Because I was a hard, I was a hard leftist and I was like an atheist and I was a radical and I thought I was a, a this and a that. And, and I just, I saw, um, just culture just decay and the left really eat itself and just attacking itself and I just, I, I just kept thinking, and it was so, um, it wasn't consistent. Like we, they were just always hypocritical. Like we, like I thought this is what we believed. And then the next day we'd get our fucking, this is actually now what we fucking think. And I was like, this completely contradicts this. Like, it doesn't matter. You have to go. This is now what we're doing. And so we just got the new orders. That's what we're doing now. And that's what brought me, me back to church. I saw in my family a lot of destruction from a lot of those things. And my only thought, so I just had little kids and I went back to the church. I was away from the church for the whole time, a long time. And I saw the death and destruction in my family. And I and the one word that kept coming to mind was untethered. They were all untethered and and untethered yeah. can sound liberating and free. But I remember when I was a little kid growing up in kind of a chaotic environment, I just always felt that like it was a weird feeling that my feet were going to just leave the ground and I would never get back. You know, like I just I just would just I had no tether. And it sound I maybe it's not even like a a. a consistent, you know, theologically, I don't really know my um, theology or anything like that or the philosophy of it, but I just remember thinking untethered and I thought I have to, I have to give these kids something, something foundational that they feel makes them, you know, more than just that thing that can just float away. And I went back to the church for that reason. And I never can. I said, and this is what I said, because I couldn't say like, I believe in God. Jesus has saved me. I couldn't do it. I said, I'm going to do this for five years. And if I don't think I'm better off at the end of the five years, I'm going to stop the experiment. And since then, my husband converted. My kids loved the little Catholic school they went to. It did. The proof was in the pudding. But I still ask myself, like, does God know my name? Like, am I going to know my name? Am I going to see God's face? Like, I really don't know. Yeah. Well, I can tell you this, that like. I I had some friends that were like philosophy majors, way fucking smarter than me, uh, a couple doctorate, you know, guys. And we would have these long, drunken conversations until like fucking four in the morning about like the meaning of life. And it, it basically it all comes down to like, what if this is all for nothing? This is all just random. We this was just the big boom. And now we're just monkeys floating through space. And all of this is absolutely meaningless. And anybody that believes in God, it's just this is just like a weak crutch to keep them um, from blowing their brains out. And so absolutely nothing means nothing. And this is all just random and bullshit. And, and I, I grasped that and I like contemplated it and, and it is, it's depressing and awful. And that is the reality that so many people live in. And I just sort of figured like, you know, I can't weigh God. I can't put him on a scale. I can't measure him. 
but I do feel the things that he does in my life. And I do feel the blessings that he gives me. And so for me, it was like, I would rather live on this rock being wrong and just feeling him in my life. than uh, like you said, you sometimes you need a tether. So you want to call that a crutch and call me stupid. That's fine. But that's what brought me back to the church. And I was like, you know what? I, you know, my son was probably about five or six years old at that time. And uh, I just wanted him to have something more than just floating through space. Yeah. I, and that's what brought me Sorry, back. My, my cameras gave it a weird demonic thing there while we were talking about that. Oh, dude, I that was, was kinda, enjoying it. it was yeah, I'm great. still figuring out how to, how to use this new <laughs> camera I got. But see, I think that position personally of nothingness and dirt when it's all over – the atheist position, I think that that is the most irrational position of all of them, personally. It takes more faith to believe that, like, out of nothing came something, like, without a divine spark right. of the, God. No explanation this, is better than a random. possible explanation. Yeah. I'm positive your yeah. explanation is wrong, but stars I have no idea. And they're so snooty. <laughs> the like, a lot of atheists, yeah. atheists are so <laughs> snooty about their position, too. Like, they're so smart mm-hmm. and highbrow, but, oh, you believe in God. But agnosticism well, you believe is in the nothing. only, you know, agnosticism, <laughs> like, I'm not sure. I don't know. They're twice as religious, too. Right. Atheists are twice as mm-hmm. religious. <laughs> yeah. I I will respect an agnostic, even though they're just fence sitters and milk toast. I will take that a hundred well, times Well, you can't really know. Who just declares Yeah, you that can't they really know. know. So yeah. to say that you know or you know yeah. not or whatever, it just... It doesn't all you can yeah. do. I mean, that's the word is faith like that. There yeah, you acknowledge that yeah. you don't know. That's that is what it is. Yeah. It's a leap and of faith. To. And I decided that, like, if I'm going to die, I'm going to die at least with Jesus in my heart. And I, that's that's what I'm going for. I'm a gambler by nature, I guess. And that's what I'm rolling with. I have a simple way that I <laughs> kind of relate some of that stuff, not not just in God in general, but in the idea of there being the existence of beings that are beyond our ability to grasp their, their, their existence. Yeah. A dog, for example, doesn't understand us completely. We're like it's dad or it's mom or, or whatever. It's not walking around thinking about how much smarter we are than it, but it, it just exists with us. Uh, an ant, for, we're like a thunderstorm or a natural disaster to an ant. If ants were sitting around thinking about us all the time, we'd be screwed because there's a lot more of them than us and they, they would overtake us intentionally. But we just happen to them and they have no comprehension of us. So if that's the case, up the ladder when it comes to the species that exist on this planet – we think that we're the ones with the highest level of intelligence. H- how do we know? We would not know that. We would not know if we weren't the smartest ones. We would be completely ignorant to yeah. a fish that swims around the ocean at the bottom. The, the very or those animals of the very deep, dark parts of the ocean who've never been up close to the top. If they were suddenly just pulled out of the water, like a fish that gets caught for the first time is pulled out of the water. They are in another plane of existence. They were completely unaware even existed before they got hooked. Onto, right. Can you? Yes, exactly. You get pulled out and then they, they unhook you, throw you back in the water, your eyes dangling, you're swimming circles the rest of your life. And you're telling, I got abducted by aliens. Everybody calls you crazy. Uh, I mean, I think there's some parallel. Yeah. My the idea is we would have no freaking idea. We would not be able to comprehend something so much bigger than us. 
Yeah, I love yeah, What do you all think of? So you definitely are not. But is it totally inconsistent to think that there might be other intelligent life in the universe? With, with is, Christianity, is I don't necessarily think so. Why would I don't I think, think so either. So. Yeah, I don't think so either. Uh, I mean, I'm a pretty open-minded Christian. I'm not as orthodox as you know some, but yeah, absolutely. I well, I mean, frankly, what the fuck else could they be? I mean, when you know you hear Alex Jones talking about interdimensional shape-shifting vampire child molesters or whatever the fuck he's talking about, like, are they aliens? You know, are they that these interdimensional well, angels are, are interdimensional, demons? right? Are they? Yeah, a hundred percent. Like, I mean, that's sort of where I kind of. Where I just sort of think that like aliens or demons, yeah. demons or my aliens. friend like, thinks that too. If, really? Yeah, I think that that's a total possibility, and I love dipping into the whole idea that like uh, the alien human hybrids, the Nephilim, the giants. Like I, I love getting it into unlike all that and- the concept of dinosaurs. I think most <laughs> mm-hmm. most cultures, primitive and otherwise, have had a concept of demons or spirits or interdimensional beings yeah fairies yeah all of that is tied together like if you listen to the description of fairies like the actual description of fairies they're creepy and they sound like yeah. and, and those it's those pretty wild biblical yeah. stories too i don't know if if you hear about an angel the way they're described yeah, holy it, shit it came from somewhere <laughs> so we all have imagination but our imaginations are not they're, not they're not just something that just poof into reality from nowhere if it's a combination of stimuli we've looked at and we've put things together throughout our entire lives these things that are written about in the bible they came from somewhere now are they what they're exactly described as being i don't know but whoever wrote some of that stuff maybe they were exaggerating maybe they were adding characteristics to it but whatever it was it was created from the world that was around the people who wrote those writings yeah yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, that's the whole like higher and lower frequency beings. Like, are there like, is God interdimensional? And that's the way we feel him. And do you experience those interdimensions when you take like psilocybin or DMT and different things? Yeah. And is right. That, like opening Joe up. Rogan yeah. Yeah, what I is mean, DMT again? Uh, dimethyltryptamine, something like that. Um, but that's like artificial, it's the right? God, it's the spirit molecules, what they call it. Well, it's it's not necessarily. It can be, I think. It, it can be artificially form? derived. But like like in its purest form, I mean, that's what like ayahuasca is. Like it is um, – or not, that's not in its purest form. I think DMT is the pure form. But like it is naturally occurring in lots okay. of different things. And I think it's also naturally occurring in your brain as well. And you experience that like a big drop when you die or when you go through like a near-death experience and different things like that you can have a huge drop of dmt and i almost is like is that the opening that allows your spirit to go into heaven like that big big old drop of dmt in your brain from your pineal gland or wherever when you die is that adrenochrome welking is that why they drink the baby's blood that's so bizarre i think adrenochrome from what i'm experiencing from once from what i know about (laughs) it's supposed to be (laughs) have you experienced (laughs) Uh, it's supposed to be like you torture the shit out of a little kid because more chemicals in their body i guess maybe they haven't dropped them all like they're why can't you do it that long in a public school why does it have to be a person 
because they're yummy or I don't know. You're not <laughs> no supposed idea. to torture animals either. Those interdimensional demons tell you that it has to be a little kid or something. Oh I don't Lord. know. So it's uh, like, have you listened to Chuck Missler? No, I'm writing that down. Chuck Missler. I haven't listened to him much. A friend of mine turned me on to him recently, and he's an old preacher, and he, he talks a lot about angels and um, a- or aliens being demons. Yeah. He goes deep into those theories, and he's a pretty dynamic speaker. You might like him. I like it. I'll check it out. I've got an episode that I'm doing. Do you guys know uh, the Timeline Earth guys? Yes, yeah. definitely. I've got an episode with Paz coming up. We're gonna we're gonna do we're gonna do giants, and I'm pretty excited about. Nice. That. Oh, I might have to listen to. Oh, that. that's cool. I love that stuff. Like yeah. Shaquille O'Neal. I wonder if they if Shaquille O'Neal will be painted as <laughs> a giant. He Does he have some Nephilim maybe. blood? Maybe. Yeah. You know. You know. He did used to have his wife that was like five foot oh, one. I don't know. I think they're still married. I don't know if they're still married. Maybe they're still married. I, I, I don't know. But man, I remember seeing a picture of them side by yeah, side and then like a picture of her shoe versus his shoe. That has to be some painful. We don't all right, look all right. like the same species. <laughs> <laughs> I, it, it looks like they're. Oh, no, no. They got divorced in 2011. Mm. Yikes. So, yeah, my He's husband a big dude. was in a locker room once, like one of these. I don't know why he was there. And I guess it was, was he a Laker. And he said he was a Laker. There yeah. was an example of his Miami shoe. Too. Yeah, that yeah. He, well, my husband put his own foot with his shoe still on his foot into Shaq's shoe. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's wild. how. Yeah. I mean, I just think I think that. I have big feet, but those people have monster feet. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, the. Yeah, it's. I don't know if you've seen her, but they're not. Yeah, she, yeah, she's so no. tiny compared no. to him. No, he he has and, to be part Nephilim. I, I've decided that's reality. Sean Nike, <laughs> wow, could very well be. <laughs> uh, so I have like several things I want to talk to you guys about. Like one, my my wife is. 38 weeks pregnant right now. We're about to have a baby. Um, Congratulations. Thank you. Some, some new adrenochrome coming <laughs> no, in. No, huh? yeah, stop. Don't say that stuff. <laughs> no. It's not funny. So, it's like the tail. It's like, don't draw the tail. It's not okay. <laughs> I, w- I, I wish you knew baby well. <laughs> no. Uh, but so I wanted to. So you guys had just did like a DPP, right? The, or whatever. The, what do you guys do? The private one? The DPP you, is a, like a cocktail party on Friday okay. nights. But we also do a Zoom, what Binkley calls the round table. I kind of like that where mm. um, just the top tier, just because we like to keep it small, like 20 people. Yeah. And we talk about, we try to get people who know a little something about a topic of interest. And then we just dish. It's really, really fun. Yeah. That's the Zoom parties. They're really fun. So I don't know which one you're talking about. Was it, um, um, it was vulgar the- and cocktail-y or was it smart and during the day? I think it was. <laughs> uh, see, I'm not. I should be a patron, but I'm not. It was about the um, it was about people that didn't want to or like living off the grid or depersoning. Yeah, yeah. depersoning. Yeah. yeah, I'm really considering not getting my kid a social security number and maybe yeah not, like, <laughs> I, well you have to get no birth certificate because they give yeah. you the, the social security number when they're born now and they yeah. and they take a ketone a fetal ketonuria test which means they've got the genetics We're gonna have some people home. yeah you We're can don't get the birth certificate either themselves they're not touching my child with a goddamn needle i know someone themselves. who did that <laughs> i know somebody who yeah. did that or i said cam yeah. our, our who substitutes for us sometimes 
Cam knows somebody who did that. Does their kids okay. do not have birth certificates? So if you want, I can connect you yeah, with Cam. You can talk to those people. Please, I would yeah. These, love that. these we had folks, somebody at the Zoom call that didn't get their baby yeah, a birth should, certificate. You should, maybe you can give them the video, the the file of the Zoom call if you if yeah. if Nate promises not to share it. Yeah, I don't remember how he said. I mean, he said they just didn't do it. They just didn't fill right. out Right, and then the, the problem is you have to wonder if what happens if they ever need one. Yeah. And then you have to figure out how to get. So I would, if I it's were risky. you. Well, no, <laughs> yeah. I think I would look it up. But all I would do is I would make sure that you and your wife and and hopefully another adult who is a witness can sign off on the day and time of the child's yeah. birth. And okay. my guess is I was listening, prompted by that Zoom call. I was listening to a guy, Ibe, E-I-B, is it? Chris Ibe, but anyway, he's a guy I want to talk to, Ibe, E-I-B. He's at Agenda31.com is his website, and he he was talking about how you can have an ID that it's under like the whatever, Article 4 or something, where you can assert who you are, and and the government kind of, when push comes to shove, has to accept that. Like you don't, you are not required by law to have a government ID, nor are you required to present it when ID is required. And there are certain steps you have to go through to have that kind of an ID. So I might get ahead of it a little bit. I, I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if he would answer you. I, I think he is. He he's on Twitter. I think he's still active on Twitter. I was going to reach out to him and ask him to be on the show because I'm very interested in what he's yeah. doing. But he seems to be kind of inactive lately. So I don't know. But I wouldn't be surprised if he'd help you with your questions. And there's another resource, Fred. Frederick Graves. Frederick Graves is a lawyer who he has a program. I think you have to pay for it. But from what I understand, it's well, well worth it. I believe he was on Crow 777 talking about just the nuances of the law that that you don't understand. You don't you don't know that you don't know. So you just follow all the rules because you don't realize that technically when you go like I think the law must have a, a, a deeper almost like another dimension to it that There's something about it must, like us just, consenting yeah like, there must yeah. that there must be so i never really took that very seriously but at this it's, point it's revelation like of the method and everything these things like yeah. i've had some people that are smarter than me try to explain that like when we agree to these things and we get like a driver's license there's like in it there's like a contract that we make with the government there's like there's different like we just agree to certain things when we like go and get our ID. We I know. Our- and I dismiss that a lot. And this stuff, yeah. these guys are, are, aren't quite there. They don't see. I always thought the nuances weren't important. Who cares about that? You still need a driver's license, but these guys are like, I don't know about that, but you don't need a driver's license. And this is what you do. But yeah. it, it, the guy has to go to court a lot. He really has yeah. to, he has a lot of trouble doing that. So I don't a hundred percent know. And they also just don't like dealing with you when you constantly challenge things. The purpose of these little hearings they always have in court all the time is to just move things through as quickly as possible. And they use prosecutors who intimidate people who don't who are in a position of vulnerability and don't know what they don't know. So think that they just have to submit to the court. The reality is you don't have to submit to the court. And if you give them a problem, then unless you're some horrible criminal, you could very well just get all the stuff dropped just because they don't want to deal with you. Maybe the vaccine, the way they're doing the vaccine, like we were talking to, who in our Q&A, we were talking about like the Chinese one child policy, maybe, mm. maybe mandates 
you know, maybe with stuff like that, they're not really mandates. Like maybe they absolutely, as much as they coerce you, they need you in the end to, to submit. Yeah, to consent. choose. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's the devil's part. Yeah, I mean. You have to say yes. It, you have to absolutely. sign Absolutely. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Well, might, Bernays talked a lot about the, the concept of adjustment, of using propaganda and information to adjust after psychological analysis of the masses, assessing where they were, assessing where you want them to be, and making the adjustments through the propaganda communication to get them from there to where you need them to be. But that throughout the process all the time, that in order for the propaganda, one, to work – in the context, you have to continue going back and see what types of adjustments need to be made to the public perception, to their mentality. And if the adjustments aren't taking, if they're not getting to where the propagandists need them to be, they have to change the course of action. So if they can't get them to consent, if they can't get them to hold a belief that they need them to hold in order to pursue some mass action, then they change course. And they always change course, but it's good to force them to change course. And I think you're right, Monica. I, I don't think that they're going to be willing to they, – they will put all the pressure in the world on people. They'll try to get all the stupid corporations who want to suck on the ESGD in the world to try and force people to get the vaccination. But there's the, – the majority of the public, even vaccinated people – the majority of the public are not down with mandates. They just aren't. They aren't. I don't think they're going to win that battle. Yeah. Uh, well, by maybe the way, Brad, I yeah. absolutely love your background. <laughs> uh, thank you. It's a little I better now. I think me. <laughs> right? I'm a, I'm a yes. Star Trek This is the next back. generation in here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The Enterprise. Yeah. I'm a huge Star Trek fan. You should see. I actually have the big framed poster Binkley sent me of the, the Wisdom of Spock. Oh, yeah, and it's got all the oh it's it is so i mean i i, I consult it every once in a while gets me i'm a tos gal yeah. i love the original series yeah, TOS yeah. and it's really captain good kirk was such a badass it was i loved him so much he is the best captain this is that uncanny valley you know i don't know if you know this like i think canadians have an uncanny valley you're just like there's something a little like what is that he's canadian so but i loved the original series because like the first half is like it's like today the first, there's a real arc. So the first half of the show is like the setup and the character development. And then something happens and then it all gets resolved. But it really takes the whole hour. Like they don't really milk it. It's pretty fast. Moving. Gosh, I have like an endless appetite for that. I have to stop watching it every once in a while. Like I'll watch that as soon yeah. as I forget yeah, it's about great. them. I can just have it on all day. Yeah, I'll just go watch them all in a row. Arrested Development's a little bit like that. But TOS. I Arrested Development. I just, yes. That's a great series. You got to watch Scrubs. Scrubs is excellent. Especially Scrubs if you is have a great morals. show. It mixes comedy and emotion exceptionally and well. values mm-hmm. yeah i, watch, I will I say i love that i love that captain kirk who's like 90 years old now william shatner he just gets on twitter and, and like fights with people and <laughs> he doesn't realize it how politically incorrect he's being because i've had to guess i think he's probably a democrat I, i'm, I'm not sure. sure he's an old school liberal yeah he gets just bashed by progressives 
every few months or so, you'll see uh, William Shatner in hot water for saying, and then you go read it, and he just said something hilarious to a troll that people are like, oh, he's racist or what? He's not. He's just talking <laughs> like normal people, but he just doesn't realize he's not supposed to say those well, things. Well, can you imagine the original series being, like, debuted today? Like, there's the sexual tension on, yeah. on episodes, like, <laughs> yes. where there's yeah. some like green girl or some yeah, alien yeoman. I love it. I love it. they look at each other and then they have that music and they go back and forth at each other's faces and like he just bangs another alien <laughs> my just... father didn't like me watching it because of that yeah I he mean, was it... like it's totally immoral i'm like what and i was so naive <laughs> that i didn't understand that they were having sex yeah it was like they're just kissing each other, and he's like, "Okay." Yeah, he's no a regard for alien STDs or exactly. Just- oh my gosh! Imagine what he would have brought home. Ouch! Yikes! Holy cow! They should have had an episode like that, like Spock. I got a problem. <laughs> well, there, there was the episode where Spock Bones. had to go do that thing oh, that he has time. to do every few years. A time. Yeah. And he's just like, ah, he's raging. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 I was in love with him. He was the one I really loved. <laughs> the pawn far, right? When he, oh, they yeah. have to mate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm if a real nerd. I'm pulling these. You will not want See, me. now, if that it's were today, then the episode would have been over in 10 minutes because they just would have been like, all right, can Captain Kirk would have had sex with him because that's what every television <laughs> show is like now. It's just like, there's got to be four couples in every show and talking lesbians today. And uh, like, like Batwoman on the CW, it shouldn't be called Gotham City. It should be called Lesbian City because every character in the show is a lesbian and the entire show is about how they're lesbians. Like, I don't care if you're a superhero who's gay or a lesbian. You could be Superman, be the gayest person in the world. But I don't want to watch a show about how gay you are. I, just be a gay person who yeah. is a superhero saving people that nobody cares. Well, but the they make is, all of this television. more interesting yeah, the than thing your right. sexual. Yeah. The yeah. reason shows that are all about sex, hetero shows that are successful and are all about sex is because they're appealing to people who feel that way and are living vicariously through that. Mm-hmm. And if gay people are like the minority or whatever, so maybe there'll be less shows about them, but it's, it, I wouldn't expect gay guys to really like to watch Star Trek for the sex, you know? So, so are we supposed <laughs> to watch stuff that's gay. Well, and be I, like, I, just, oh, I don't I'm think anybody's liking this stuff. Huh? Because no, no, I, I think anybody who watched the show where she's talking about their how upset they are about their girlfriend or their boyfriend, whether it's a straight couple or a gay couple, if the whole sh- if it's supposed to be a comic book superhero show and the entire thing revolves around so instead didn't show up, so it, it, they're they're only they're, they're this, getting rid of all the main stuff. For that, for this other stuff, they're not actually doing okay, the show that. that they promised. I do have doing. a question. Will- like, so what if Spider Man every once in a while he kisses Mary Jane or whatever her name is? If if his crush, say one out of ten people are gay, if one out of ten superheroes were gay and his crush were the guy next door, and every once in a while he kissed him, 
Would that be just that's fine? fine? Yeah, that'd be 100 fine. Yeah, yeah just that's perfectly show, fine. Like, I want to see Superman yeah. shoot some webs and attack people, or you know, <laughs> solve some fucking crap. If he wants to make out with a dude every once in a while, that's great. Yeah, but like, totally keep fine. the show I, about I, being Spider Man. <laughs> right, okay. like, I don't want the villain. I don't. I don't want the villain in my comic book movie or show to be the this the struggle to find what the right gift is to impress your boyfriend. I don't want that to be the obstacle <laughs> that's being overcome. Do now, I, I I'd say one more thing. And I'll shut up. So, you guys ever seen True Blood, the yes. vampire show? Uh-huh. So, I was on. I was at Thanksgiving at my friend's house about twelve years ago, and he's he's gay. I did theater with him. One of the funniest people I've ever I've ever met in my life. He's he's hilarious, and it's funny because most of the stuff he says or he used to say back then when I knew him he'd be canceled for now and he's a gay man and uh, we were over at his and his boyfriend's house on thanksgiving evening and they had invited all of their friends to come over to watch true blood and all of their friends were men so it was like 12 men they were all gay and then it was me and my girlfriend at the time so it's me and 12 gay guys and one female watching true blood which is basically like a, a romantic uh, um, it's a lot, a lot of actiony. Not even I don't want to call it horror. It's kind of horror, but there are a lot of very romance novel like love scenes Sexy in that movie. Door. Sex They're scenes, vampires, and, right? and we said yes. And these were these were hetero. These were hetero yeah. scenes, but. Every, these guys loved the show because they thought the men in the show were super sexy and they loved the sex scenes. So we're yeah, watching this. Men in that show, yeah. And the, yeah, and these dudes, they start kissing, taking their shirt off. I'm sitting there with 12 gay guys, my girlfriend, and all I hear is, Ooh, screaming at the TV. And the guys ah, start, do the crazy. human beings start cavorting? Who was taking their shirts off? The TV guys or the human beings? On the TV. Okay, yes. Okay. Yes. It was like, because. Yeah, then everybody in, in the room might, put their shirt off. That's not normal. Them. Like, that's not normal, Brad. And everything it sounds normal, but. <laughs> it was hilarious and uncomfortable, but it was, it was really funny. That, does, that sounds like tons of fun. And I, I, it doesn't bother me. It was. Me, but yes, I hate it when. The correction of the identity issue is just to throw out all of the like the drama, the plot, the values, everything and just focus on the identity because then you're like, if you don't like it, does that make you a hater? It's like I don't like it because it's boring. Yeah, yeah, like, that's that's a great way to put it. The identity focus. Yeah. yeah. Did you have another little thing? Because clearly Samson has to go out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, guys. Yeah, we're getting down to the nitty gritty. I'm I'm good. I'm just going to have to have you guys back. I want to talk would about love to. I want to talk about AZT with you guys. Uh, I had a friend <laughs> that died from AZT oh. and I know your brother. Yeah. I've wanted to have this conversation with you forever. And I know my, uh, my partner would love to talk with you guys. Oh, too. Okay. We'll come back. Um, so we'll just have to do it again. Um, I love you guys. Thank you so much. Do you guys want to, uh, do you guys have any closing, anything you guys want to throw out? Well, if you want to see, you mentioned a green alien earlier. Yeah. And if you want to see a picture of me, in an astronaut suit with a half-naked green alien behind me, you can go to my Twitter page at freedomactradio.com and look at my profile picture. I'm, I, at, I do have I'm at Monica Perez Show. We also now have a Telegram channel, which is like slash propaganda report. We have to do propaganda report chat. I'm new to Telegram. I don't know any I of these things. The, the sixth person to join oh, your Telegram. Oh, come on. <laughs> Thanks, Nate. I just kind of awesome. threw it out there and I'm letting it populate itself and then I'm going to just try to figure out how to use it because I'm really good at Twitter. I do a lot I of tweeting. Telegram. You're going to like it. So, yeah, I like the that. the Wild West for now. 
And then if you uh, I will say it, this though, we do require people to show their I'm not an F- an FBI agent card on the way. <laughs> oh down. well, sorry that that ship has sailed, my friend. <laughs> Watch your back. That's going <laughs> to weed out fifty percent of the people. Yeah, there's definitely some <laughs> FBI agents in there. So, but whatever, just don't give your address. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you guys. Thank you. It was thank fun. You, Nate. Thanks a million.